Hey everyone, we're doing something we haven't done in a while, which is an all guys podcast. So I'm Oxford here with Mark, Philip, and Q. Uh, so Mark, you've been traveling the country back and forth a bit in the last few weeks, right? I have. It's been uh, it's been fun. It's been for work, but also I was able to meet up with Jong, um, one of our uh, you know one of our core members uh, out in California. But it hasn't always been smooth sailing, getting to <laughs> the destinations. Yeah, we were to... we were uh, following your live slacking. <laughs> I was my rather frustrated and tired. My rather frustrated and tired live slack of Adam's uh, no good, my very 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 bad day. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, plane delays are just a part of life if you fly. It was rather that I had tried to be conscientious in booking my Airbnb, so I wanted to make sure I could check in like really early because I was getting in like in the middle of the night. So I was like, you know, I, I, I was text my host. I said like about three weeks early. I was like, you know, I'm going to get in at like one in the morning. Can I come check in right when I get in? I just wanted to know. And he was like, yeah, sure. So on the day of, I checked to make sure that's still, you know, that, that condition's still there. Uh, and he's like, oh, you know what? I'm so sorry. Like, uh, you, you, you know, someone's staying there and you won't be able to check in until they check out. And I'm Are like, you what? Kidding me? No, no, that's what he said. So he's like, he was so sorry. He's like, uh, uh, you know, just cancel and I'll refund you. And I'm like, all right, that sounds a little weird, but, um, okay. Like at least you're trying to make it right. So I go to, I go to cancel and on the Airbnb app, when you cancel a booking, it asks you like, why are you canceling? So I was doing a day of and I got a little nervous. And on the app, I was like, yeah, the host had to cancel. And they're like, well, then you shouldn't cancel as the renter. Um, you should have them cancel it. So I messaged him back and I'm like, you know, I sort of don't feel comfortable doing this. Like, you know, can you just cancel on your end uh, and whatever? And immediately he went from, oh, I'm so sorry. It was my mistake to you're not entitled. No one's entitled to an apartment. So he went from like, oh, I'm so sorry to passive aggressive Silicon Valley jerk. And so I was just sort of tired. I just I didn't want to deal with it. So I was like, fine, I'll do it. And I figured I could just get, leave them a really bad rating and call Airbnb and get my money back. And I was like, all right, man, we'll do it your way. And he's like, good. Uh, he was like, good, uh, good. And you're doing it the smart way. <laughs> so what the fuck? Wow, what a- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, whatever, man. Fuck is that you. Like a, is that like a mob boss threat where it's like, like, do you want to, you know, do you want to get hurt or do you want to be smart? <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Let's make your money and, clean. But- Let's launder it. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, it's so so. I, I was like, whatever, man. And he actually ended up giving me the refund, so he's not going to get a zero star rating. He'll get like a two and a half or whatever. Yeah, I have a question about those ratings in general. Whether it's like on Uber and Lyft, does anybody ever give other people like like a three star rating? I'm just wondering if so. What's your thought process like? Generally, I think I I mean I get, always give my drivers like five stars just uh, because. Unless you're like crashing the car, what do I care, right? But right. I wonder if there's everyone like, hmm, you know what? Like this person, you know, was like pretty safe with the driving. A couple of bad, you know, quick turns. It kind of like <laughs> I almost got like a mini whiplash. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give him like a three star. Like, does anybody do that? I, I don't. No, know. I don't think so. I mean, only real assholes. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Airbnb, I've, I've, I've basically been Airbnb for free because my brother, uh, he's starting school in New York, so he. That's uh, right. But he had to crash with me for a few days. Uh, because his dorm won't open 
for a few days. And I mean, I, lo I love having him over and stuff, but it's like my, my studio is very small that when his air mattress is inflated, there's basically no floor space. <laughs> You're two sardines available. in a can. And and on the on the day right, last night he was here, I was like starting to get at my wits end kind of because it's like I, I can't even really walk around my own place. Without, like, I'm, just, tiptoeing. I'm just imagining him right now, Oxford, like sitting right next to you thinking like, I can't believe he's talking shit about me at a pod, but I'm sitting right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's not, he's not there, right? He's, he's actually not uh, there. But see, like, I, I've said this a few times, uh, Philip, especially when you're coming over. It's like, oh, let's re let's record at my studio. It makes mm -hmm. it sound like we have some, like, fancy-ass studio. But it's like, actually... <laughs> That's right. No, literally, like, your studio like, apartment. Technically, it's... I'm not lying. It is a studio and we're recording it. Is a studio. It. it just means it's a tiny-ass tiny <laughs> apartment. It is cozy. I'll say That's that. That's so funny. Escape from plan A. You're talking about Asian, Asian, Asian American males? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think that's a really interesting question because Asian American masculinity is one of the issues that I feel like should be talked about way more and I feel like it's very behind the eight ball. Um, so yeah, I think to go on your point of being athletic, like I was the fastest, like me and John Wall were the fastest people in the draft, but he was athletic and I was deceptively athletic, you know, and I think like <laughs> I've been deceptively whatever my whole life. Um, and I think that like, while he jumps deceptively high or he's deceptively quick, I feel like that's definitely, you know, an issue that, you know, we can just keep playing basketball. Hopefully we can just keep being good and keep breaking the stereotypes. And the same thing with like being like a male. I feel like a lot of times we had a lot of Asian girls go for like non-Asian guys, but you didn't see a lot of the opposite, right? Like real talk, you didn't see a lot of non-Asian girls going for Asian guys. That's just, <laughs> Like, when they say yellow fever growing up, it wasn't like all these white girls were going for Asian guys, it was the Asian girls going for the white guys. So, um, I feel like, I feel like there is definitely, like, uh, it's definitely different, right? Like, I think Asian American males are, are viewed differently, but, um, I think we just need to keep being ourselves, man. I think that the world will come around and appreciate, um, us Asians, like Asian men, women, like Asians in general, I think. I think the time will come, but kill them with kindness for the time being. You got no problem now, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, and welcome to the Escape from Plan A podcast. And I, as I said before, I am here with Mark. How you guys doing? It's Mark. Q. Hey, y'all, it's Q. And Philip. This is my voice committed to memory. <laughs> Did you guys know that today is actually what I consider like the one year anniversary of Plan A? Because oh, I yeah? think this was the day when our kind of like editor's note got published and it was kind of our little uh, mini manifesto. And I think that was August 23rd. So this awesome. is this is like one year. Like this is this is a thing to celebrate. It's it a pretty is. solid manifesto. Not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but like. I kind of wanted to have like this big megapod with everyone, but like teens traveling, Jess is busy. She can't do anything before the weekend. Um, and, you know, I mean, like the college kids are all, you know, like Oriana's in Alaska right now, I think. Hey, Oriana. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're, they're all about to head back to school. So unfortunately, this will, I guess this will have to do. But I think the topic is very um, on point because what we want to talk about tonight is, uh, since this is a guy's podcast, we want to talk... Uh, very like male specific things and it's about if, you, if you're like an Asian guy and, you, and you're like you know getting woke and angry online well you got to have something that comes after right and I don't I don't like framing it as oh you got to move past anger as though we're all like squeezing some you know collective stress ball and once once that's 
done. We just like bury everything back inside. No, it's like, no, stay angry, stay motivated. But you can't just, you know, be stuck in that one gear all the time. So I think this part is just like, okay, so what's what's like the next step? I, I just want to like, I like to set a little bit of context, especially for listeners who may have gone to plan A and escaped from plan A without like as much knowledge of kind of the online spaces. But just for some context, you know, Oxford and also like Mark and Q as well from your experiences online, like what specific spaces are we talking about here? Are we talking about like Reddit? Are we talking about like Asian Twitter, which is kind of a new thing? What what specific areas are we talking about where you're seeing this kind of male anger online? Uh, Oxford here. Um, I, for me, it's just like any online space, just because I've been uh, online for so long. It's pretty much anywhere where it's Facebook, uh, Reddit, Twitter, v- you know, random blogs. Uh, it's pretty much anywhere where you get a, a lot of Asians online. Um, it's it's usually the same thing you see again and again. So I don't think it's it's something that's limited to to a certain space. I think it naturally happens unless it gets suppressed. Right, but I might I might come in and say like we see a lot more of it on certain platforms than others because some platforms like Twitter and especially Reddit offer anonymity. Yeah, I think nowadays it's moved. Those are the dominant spaces. Yeah, this is Q. So I think um, there's definitely something uh, to be said about what Philip said about the anonymity of these spaces that lends a lot of credence for people to really just speak their minds and um, I guess really say what's on the top of their heads, especially Reddit because you're only tagged by username. Then a lot of people, even if they say like really... Uh, charged things they'll change their i don't know their ip address just to subvert rules for subreddits and try to really get people to rally behind their causes and you definitely see like a lot of people with a really strong like psychic energy yeah um a lot of people um will just you know get their accounts banned and then just make a new one and use like a vpn or something i've definitely heard i mean we spent time on reddit i've definitely heard of like ip bans and stuff but i didn't realize that people would go so far as to like get a new address or whatever, just to come back on and continuing, you know, their their tirade of anger. That's that's kind of insane. Yeah. So I think um, I guess that's pretty indicative of a really strong like psychic pull for a lot of these uh, individuals who um, I think might not have that same like support system in the real world and instead project it onto the internet, which is also why you see these like really long Twitter tirades against like celebrities where you like quote tweet them and then like criticize them there's like bands of people and this isn't specific to asian males in general um but it's a, definitely a phenomenon that you see in a lot of uh asian twitter and asian reddit where people kind of just like band together and hop on any particular like current events issue and just kind of project every uh thought that they have and it, it really reflects like a really strong feeling that they have whatever it is anger a uh, disgust pity um yeah 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 q i'd agree this is mark um but also i think Twitter is especially uh, has an especially large influence uh, and, and ability to color uh, the perceptions of um, you know Asian men or just Asian Twitter as a whole because it's just much larger than even Reddit and it has a much larger and and diverse uh, breadth of people that are on it. So when we have like these lashing out, you know, when people lash out and um, act out. Uh, it it isn't just seen by you know the other Asian people there. Maybe the few lurkers that that watch. It's potentially uh, you know likable and retweetable by just everyone, everyone in you know in America in the world. So it, right, I think Twitter is especially uh, dangerous. I would say, or or at least uh, it's especially influential. Are you saying that people? 
sorry, people um, on Twitter think that like, hey, other people who are actually in the public sphere are watching Twitter. This is a real platform, a real soapbox. I'm going to say, you know, this is, a, this is a very different context than like Reddit, where it's kind of a dark hole and you don't expect a lot of folks to come looking for stuff there, you know. Um, well, I think, but, yeah, but yeah, people, yeah, people have that false impression. Also, I think some people still feel like Twitter isn't that big or like they'll say, they'll tweet something and be like, there's no way it's going to get out, but it does. Q, you mentioned community and, and that's something I really want to talk about because I think uh, the what's really important to this uh, idea of not only being stuck on this kind of online anger is, is for, for guys to start building uh, some kind of community that's not just built around, um, you know, wh- what do we all hate? And I, you mentioned like hating on celebrities, which is really in the big picture, so pointless. Um, but so you have to dig deeper and it's like, why are they doing this? And I think it's obvious that the, the reason why they, they pick on these celebrities is celebrities represent archetypes that, that exist in real life. And they're projecting all their, uh, you know, like pent up uh, frustration and anger and and against these celebrities that really you know they're like they, they star in a couple of like silly movies and stuff yet they become such figures of importance and just recently um tina and i we met up with a bunch of guys they're from this other discord but we met up with them and it's just and i, and I think the the you know, just plan a itself like before we started plan a i never really like met up with Asian guys or Asian women to talk about these issues in real life uh, in a very like friendly, casual way. It's not like some, you know, special meeting that you have and where you like talk about your feelings. It's not just like you just like you're sitting in a bar and you just talk about this like it's it's your everyday thing. And once you have that, it's so you realize what you've been missing just to be able to talk about it so freely. And I think for for a lot of these guys, okay, now you found that you're not alone. And then I think the next step is for you to actually start meeting up, I think, in real life if possible. Um, and and I think because like face-to-face interaction, like online people like talk, sh- like, you know, they talk shit online because it's kind of easy. But I think once you start meeting people in real life, you, it, they become human and, you, and your whole conversation becomes more human. Oxford, do you feel like these conversations in real life, like in, in you know, meet space, are less angry like when you met these guys um you know in person in new york routine did they come off as the same kind of personalities because i know some of these folks like some of them can be a little bit abrasive but in person were they because they could kind of do it and let let off steam in person was it a different kind of feel or was it the same kind of no know? it was it was just like hanging out with like three friends i might have met in college okay yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said about trying to like meet in person and I guess uh, to take it into an even broader context, like organize politically, all of that can be assisted or uh, helped by the internet. And, you know, social media is definitely a great way to like rally people behind a cause, but like meeting people in real life and like actually interacting with them and extending them that arm of empathy, I think is what's really going to push uh, any, any political stance forward, any like community organization forward. Um, like ultimately the internet's just not enough. It shouldn't be like our zenith or our pinnacle for establishing um, really any goal, like any material goal that I think we have as a community. And on um, on the other hand, we see like the dangerous results of people who don't have that community in real life, right? We have like, I think the really recent example of the person who uh, DM'd Chloe Kim, the uh, Olympic uh, medalist on yeah, I, Instagram. I was about to bring that up. That, uh, uh, just, no, just just so that, just so that, uh, just to give information to people, it actually happened today because um, 
uh, she like, uh, but the thing is, she deleted it, so I, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, here. I couldn't uh, see it when I went to like the Chloe, link. You know, like Chloe Kim, she like put something on Twitter, and it was like uh, a tweet by by some guy. Uh, he's like some Asian guy. He he like said something about. Um, I saw like a picture of you and your like white boyfriend, and it looked like you were at some like shabby restaurant. So it looks like you know he can't even take you to a nice place. And I mean, the, the weird thing is, it's not up there anymore. I mean, I responded to it. I was like, oh, this guy's a like, complete gutter trash. Like he's like a human tumor. Um, he's like making women's life miserable, and he's like impeding a, uh, an important discussion that we all need to have in our community. But but then she deleted. I'm kind of hoping that maybe like they found out that it was like a troll or something, or that guy's account got hacked, and the guy reached out and was like, "Oh, it wasn't me." But I mean, let's be honest. Like, if it wasn't him, somebody else probably would have done it. So let let's be real there. So let's just treat it as something that does happen. We we know it happens to people we know. Um. So anyway, yeah. Go on, Q. Yeah, like the type of person who would indulge that kind of behavior is is like borderline deranged. Like to be honest, like that that kind of behavior to project that kind of energy no, exactly. onto the no, internet exactly right. like requires a very deep insecure base of personality like there right. there's no Absolutely. hope for people like well, that and not, that's not, not, on, not only that but it's like what to me someone who does that is someone who honestly thinks that that's the only thing that that's like their only bullet left in their chamber like like if for uh, you know other people if they if they're discontent they might uh, you know, write, like, we're, you know, we write stuff, we podcast, we go out and meet real people, and we have other avenues of addressing whatever mm-hmm. concerns we may have. But for someone to do that, you know it's not going to work, you know it's only going to make the situation worse, but to think that, right. okay, this is the only thing I have I have left to do. It's almost like a, like a suicide bombing in which <laughs> I know it's actually going to hurt my side way more, but I'm going to do mm-hmm. it anyway because I think that's the only thing I have left. Um, and, when, you know, there are guys like that. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, Q and, and Oxford. That it's it's a desperation move, and at this point, they're so broken down that that momentary period of like self soothing, that like that one moment of like catharsis by lashing out is like more worth it to them than trying to do anything else constructive. Yeah, it's a completely and, like selfish, yeah. like nihilistic thing to do. It's just like fuck everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but they, you know, I think they're desperate at that point. I, I agree that that trying to get it out of the the, the online space is uh, really the only way uh, to, to move on. Because I think Q, you make a great point where about uh, political organization and even social organization is that it has to happen in the real life, and the the online spaces can serve as um, like an initial organizational um, vehicle, and and then as like amplifying and maybe um, strengthening bonds that, but those bonds can only be really be formed from from uh you know meeting in person or like talking on the phone or stuff like that yeah because it's one thing to tweet or write stuff it's another to actually articulate your thoughts and feelings out loud in person and that takes practice and i think and i think if a a lot of these guys it's all they're so unrehearsed and i and I'm, i'm saying like the i'm not saying that I mean, generally, that's good, right? If you're not rehearsed, it means you're genuine and all that. But there's a certain process you have to undergo to, to really articulate and realize what you're feeling. But if you're, like, put on the spot, like, let's say, like, you take one of these guys and you give them a mic in public and say, tell us everything you feel. They're going to be mm. completely just, just they won't know how to organize what they're thinking. It's going to sound terrible. Yeah, and, and they're going to be up against people who very much uh, honed and, and carefully tailored their, their right. counter arguments against that. And they're going to be absolutely outmatched. And I think th- they need these communities to really uh, figure out like which thoughts are, are legit and which ones aren't. Mm-hmm. And 
And I think when you're online, you, you don't have that as much because you don't really face any real like face-to-face consequences or pushback because you can always just, you know, like delete your tweet or account right. and just start anew. But let's say you say something in real life and then the, and the guy out there is like, yo, you know, that, that's kind of fucked up. And then you're going to be forced uh, by that just like social process to be like, okay, all right, that's okay. I'll probably have to fix that and right. rethink that. And even beyond sort of the negative feedback of like, oh, that's fucked up is that like people, th- there's a positive feedback loop too, you know? And also like if you, when you meet someone, even if like you don't, you're not the best friends like right away, I still think that you form some sort of bond at, at a deeper level um, than if you're just, you know, anonymous names um, on a message board. And then, you know, there's a feeling of like, well, you know, I don't, you know, you feel a connection. And then I think that just builds on each other and, 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 and you're going to, so you're going to almost like want to uh, develop your thoughts better um, and, and just connect better just because of that. And then it's sort of just, I, I think there's a positive feedback loop too, not just of like the, Oh, that's a bad idea, but like, Oh, that's a good idea. Think about that more. Like I have questions and, counterpoints and stuff you know so i think that's important too yeah philip you and teen are gonna meet up with someone right yeah actually right after this pod we're gonna uh, hop into a bar nearby and uh, meet up with a, a fan of plan a which is kind of a strange thing to think about um, uh, is, is it a man <laughs> or a woman i couldn't tell by the name it's a it's a man it's a guy yeah um and, and he'll be he'll be meeting us nearby to chat and it's and it's it's cool because like like you guys said like i didn't really do this sort of thing a lot until more recently, like initially with, with, you know, you forming this team. And then now with like folks kind of outside of um, just the, the plan A team and just talking about issues like race and gender and so on, like beyond like the initial safe space that we have. Right. But one thing that's, that I will say is that, you know, as kind of maybe playing devil's advocate a little bit, um, it's not easy. Like it's a really difficult oh, no. thing yeah. to go out there and talk about these topics. And we say, Oh, you guys should, yeah, go find people, you know, meet up in person, but it's not easy because one, you got to find these people, first of all, who don't think like you're a crazy person on the internet who's willing to meet you <laughs> at a bar somewhere, right? And talk about these topics. And then two, Stranger the danger, topics yeah. you want to talk about, like there's, there's still, even the ones that are legitimate, even the really legitimate issues are still considered fringe by others, right? So you may feel in public self-conscious about it. You may kind of play this game of chicken and try to figure out like, where does this person stand? Like, are they you know, how extreme are they? Or, you know, are they a little bit more conservative? You know, it's, it's a, it's a really tricky thing to do. I think we still absolutely should encourage more guys online to do it, but it's not easy. And so it takes a lot of bravery to get out there, I think. Right. Same. I mean, with this guy too, who we're, we're about to meet, like props to him for, um, you know, accepting a random email from us saying, Hey, like teens in town in Toronto, let's meet up for a drink. Um, he was down for it, but, uh, not everyone would be, I think. Well, I think just by doing this pod, I'm hoping that it'll show people that you can have this conversation um, with other guys, with other women, and 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 just just be able to hear it, what it sounds like, and it sounds totally like a regular conversation. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's very much so about making space, right? It's something that Asian men um, have not really done, right, in in the online spaces and the in activist spaces, like making space for ourselves to talk about our issues and what you're kind of describing with like these groups of people meeting up one-on-one or, or one on, on, on many, you know, bigger groups is about kind of forming like a little safe space, even if it's just across the table from each other at a coffee shop to talk about something that, you know, you haven't been able to vocalize. And it's super important, right? It's super important, especially when we talk about racism. Cause I think one of the, 
you know, people in these Asian male spaces online really love to trade like studies and like scientific, you know, articles and stuff because it, you know, we're, we, we want to be data, data driven about the kind of problems we're talking about because we want to legitimize them because often they're not considered not legitimate. And a lot of them are like negative things. There are a lot of them are, are studies where it's like, you know, we have a harder time dating or we, you know, the, the, the interracial, you know, race, interracial dating ratios are like out of whack or whatever. Right. But there's one positive. Or like you won't get promoted at work. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff right, like that. Right. Feeling. But I, I do remember there's one distinctly positive article uh, or study that I saw amongst the, the, this, like, you know, these, uh, this, this trove of, uh, of articles. And it was about how, like, one of the ways that you can kind of build kind of racial self-esteem is to speak out or even speak at all about racism, right? And if you're just online and you're just fuming at other people online who like may or may not be on your side and you're just being angry, that is not, that is really not doing the thing that like this science, scientific um, study has proven to be a really helpful thing, which is actually just talk about the racism kind of like at a, in a level headed, headed way. Um, and like actually talk, like, like vocalize it in person and not necessarily just do it through a keyboard. Yeah, Q, uh, I, I wanted to on this podcast particularly because you're, you're about like a half generation younger than us. So, I mean, obviously you can't, you've only lived your life. You can't really compare what it was like. But in your sense, what's like the dialogue among like the Asian guys in your age group? Do, is, are they, like in my, in my day, you know, this was not talked about at all. Uh, what's your sense? I think the conversation's moving forward. I just think there needs to be a little bit more honing, a little bit more... Uh, deep contemplation about what like the social landscape actually looks like. And I think things are getting better. I mean, the reaction to crazy rich Asians amongst people my age has been enormous. Like uh, I'm talking to uh, my sister and her friends and they're all saying that like they had friends who did not really care about Asian American activism, that they cared uh, about like living in their enclave and hanging out with like primarily like Asian friend groups. So they really didn't have to think about what it meant to be an Asian American politically. But like there's something about being called upon in terms of being represented in the media that really forces you to be like, why doesn't this happen more often, right? Like, like why doesn't my face get to appear on the silver screen? Or why doesn't uh, my community get led more by people who look like me? I think there's definitely a shift in the narrative that's happening forward, like moving forward. Um, and it's it makes me very hopeful, honestly. I'm, I'm pretty excited about the way that things are going to look in the future. Um, I just think there needs to be a lot more uh, deep racial consciousness, like uniquely what it means to be Asian American, but specifically uh, what it means to be grouped together as like a yellow body or a brown body in like a, what is essentially a white continent, right? Um, and other, like if that doesn't happen, we face an onslaught of, you know, as many of us know from things like Asian Twitter, uh, a very large horde of what we call the Asian American liberal activists who kind of reduce the conversation to oppression Olympics um, and then take our words and use it against us. So, I mean, the analogy here is like, uh, I'm not speaking from personal experience, thank God. But it's like when you're uh, someone's leaving a voicemail on your ex girlfriend's phone, and they take it and they like use it as a intro for like a rap song or something. Like you need to have your thoughts more honed, way more honed than that. You know, you can't just be leaving your feelings all over a voicemail. It's got to be smart. Yeah, what I like my fundamental belief is that I think as a whole, Asian guys, we don't think that our point of view is actually worth anything, and I think that's what that's what prevents us from really forming a community. Or, or even like, like I like to read a lot of books. Um, and I honestly am like, it's hard for me to find a, a book, like, like a novel or anything from like a young, modern Asian man's point of view. 
The only one I can really think of is Private Citizens by Tony Tulatamudi. And in that, it's like a, a quartet and one of them is Asian. Uh, the Debt Do Not Improve by J. Caspian Kang is another one. Honestly, uh, like I really can't think of another one. I, and on the other hand, I can think of so many by Asian American women. Uh, where it's it's kind of like all about their coming of age uh, in contemporary times. You know, it's not like, you know, 1950s Korea, war-torn Korea. Like, those stories are fine, but I, I can't relate to those. I want to read about what it's like to grow up as an Asian guy in, like, the year, like, sometime bet- after the 1990s. And I find that very disheartening. I mean, one, you, you could say, uh, like, the publishing industry might be a little crooked and, you know, they're, like, promoting certain voices over others. Yeah, but still, like... Like, is there some like groundswell of like you know independent writers or voices coming out? I don't, I don't really see that, and I think it's because deep down, Asian guys don't think that our perspective really matters, and they just kind of give up. And this is what I hate to see. I hate to see Asian guys always so dependent, especially on Asian women. They're like, uh, you know, like if they're like complaining about this like movie starring this like uh, Asian woman. Um, and they're, I mean, if it's, if it sucks, like, you know, uh, to all the boys I've loved before, if it is like kind of like a piece of trash, then sure, like trash yet, but you shouldn't always be so dependent on, she should have done this, she should have done that. At a certain point, you have to be like, no, that is fucked up and I'm going to put something that's better up there. And I mean, I, I hate the argument like, well, just shut up and make your own movie or make your own book or whatever. But at some point level you do have to take that initiative and i hate to see like so many asian guys just always in a position of total dependence on asking like everybody else to make this or say that and it, it's such a weak position to be in yeah no, i agree just uh one other novel um i like to, to mention with uh, uh by a korean american man is the hundred year flood by matthew Celesis. oh yeah he's matthew actually, Celes- yeah. Uh, yeah he's actually a korean american adoptee um, as well so, yeah, I mean, uh, sadly, another... his, his wife passed away recently. So, you know, our condolences yeah. To, yeah. to him. Very sad. But yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Oxford. Like, and I think that's probably th- that, that feeling of weakness is because uh, we might have, we were weak or, or we felt weak. And um, just, you know, referencing what we were talking about earlier, like the first step of this sort of process of getting back on our feet and then expressing our point of view could be just having relationships between each other right like realizing we're not alone just meeting someone at a bar and then from there you know building ourselves up you never know what what's going to happen after that but you can't you know you can't run a marathon without learning how to you know take your first step okay okay mark i'm i'm super glad you you brought that specific point up because i think that we've talked the four of us have talked about this before in our Slack and elsewhere, and maybe on a pod even it's been mentioned, but is there, I'm going to pose a question, like, is there this phenomenon where Asian guys specifically feel like, they feel like kind of nervous around other Asian guys um, in a bunch of different ways, but right? But the most basic way is that like, you, you kind of feel this embarrassment around other Asian guys. You don't want to be caught hanging out with other Asian guys because there's this kind of feeling of like, you know, too many Asians. It's just like an uncool look. Right, it's been kind of beat into our, our minds. I think we talked about this before, and I think that some guys feel that way. And I, I definitely felt that way for the longest time until I came online and started meeting other folks and realizing that the issues weren't really us, but like there were ex, you know external factors, right? But I think that that feeling holds us back. So I kind of wonder, like, did you guys feel that way? Did you find a way to get over it? Well, I was 
my nervousness for a long time around other Asian guys was I always was afraid I'd run into a Chan and he'd be like, <laughs> he'd make like a self-deprecating joke yeah. or mm. something. Uh, which is why I generally tended to prefer uh, to hang out with like 1.5 gens or even like fobs mm-hmm. because at least they didn't buy into that bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like they were kind of like kings and queens of their own world as opposed to like the sad simulation of, of some kind of like other um, kind of like culture. You know, like like those like like pre- the preppy Asian types. Um, like, like the yappies, you know, we talked yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah. I hate it. I, God, I, those, those people are it just, whenever you're, you're around those people, it, it, it's this intense nervousness. I always feel because under the surface, you know, everything we talk about here, you know, everyone's thinking it, but nobody's allowed to talk about mm-hmm. it. So right. everyone's supposed right. to, they have this kind of like, um, I don't know what you call it, like this Pleasantville, oh, yeah, we're all doing so well, happy, happy. And then maybe like once in a while, like like an Asian guy or an Asian girl will like uh, toss out kind of like the, like a self-deprecating joke, you know, about like the, the gender divide or something. And then everyone just kind of like chuckles and like a sad, sad laugh. <laughs> I don't know. It, I just hated being around that. Um, so any embarrassment uh, was they weren't Asian enough. They weren't like Asian American enough. Uh, to really talk about it honestly, because then if you're not, if you're gonna be like a like a sad copy of, of like whiteness, why 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 don't I just hang out with the real thing, right? Yeah, um, I'm gonna take a stab at it from kind of an opposite angle, because uh, I think I might have mentioned a little bit previously that I grew up in a pretty strong uh, ethnic enclave. Like the racial divisions were pretty much like split across the demographic. So like caring about the opinions of white people honestly was not like a thing that I had to really think about until I got to college. Um, and my university was one that was kind of touted as being like extremely racially diverse. Um, but once I got there, I was like, whoa, there's like so many white people here. And like the Asians are from all over the place. And uh, like like um, Oxford mentioned, I ran into a lot of these uh, Asian Americans who seemed either really readily prepared to kind of make jokes about themselves and like do accents of their parents or like, you know, the random stuff like that. Uh, which, you know, was really disheartening and pretty gross, to be honest. Um, or they, like whenever we were in a space together and it was like very clear that we were the only Asians there, it felt like they thought that there was only one spot and that they had to be the one to occupy that spot. And so they didn't like interact with me in a, in a way that made it seem like, you know, we were coming from the same position or that we were on the same page about anything. Uh, and this is something that I think I envy with some other communities of people of color, where if you are two like minorities in a room, you automatically connect, you know, like almost on a subconscious level that you're in this together. And for some reason that doesn't exist with Asian Americans. Some are uh, obsessed or hyper-focused on this pursuit of fitting in or assimilating or conformity. And others, uh, you know, are proud. They don't care, right? So finding that or bridging that gap is really tough. Trying to identify when a person is on the same page as you is really tough. Um, and I think that's something that's uh, going to be a work in progress in general. Yeah, I, I think the part you said about um, caring about the opinions of white people is super, super on point. And the kind of most fucked up, like pathological example of that is, like you said, when you're just amongst a group of people who are Asian like yourself and there's still that idiot who has to make those fucking self-deprecating jokes, right? Or make the accents or whatever. Like, why? Like, you, it's completely, you're, you're performing for white people and they're not even there, right? That's how deep the problem is. <laughs> and like, it's that's really fucked po- up, right? That's how like, powerful you know, they empty, are. Empty auditorium. Yeah, no other that's group does power. that, right? Black people don't yeah. do that, Latinos don't do that, white people definitely don't do that, right? It's just us. Well, like, we've been pushed into this <laughs> corner where you 
go and you yeah. make those, you know, you, you behave in such a way that um, is completely demeaning to yourself when there's no real benefit to it either. It's crazy. Absolutely yeah, it's just crazy. delusional. Yeah. Well, I think the benefit to them is they think that this is their, like when I said that uh, Asian guys don't think that they their perspective has any value, I think this is might be the one thing they think they bring to the table. It's the self-deprecating joke. And honestly, if you look at like pop culture and who, what kind of Asian guy tends to rise to the top in terms of like media, you look at the Ken Jeong Jimmy or Yang. the Bobby Lee before him, um, yeah, him um, and, and so forth. That, that that seems to be the the little role that they carve out for you right and you think that hey if, if i want to at least matter be relevant and i think that that's the key word relevance that's a really to good example of of media rep i know sometimes us and planet are like eh, media rep not so big not the biggest thing on the table but that's actually a great example as to why media rep does matter right because you do see people falling into these tropes and these archetypes it's awful all right i want to so I think one thing that uh, Asian guys we really don't like um, is, I mean, w- when we talk about like the gender divide, I don't, I don't think we necessarily dislike, you know, like WMAF um, as much as we dislike being spoken for by them. Um, I, I talked a little bit about this in, in the pod I did uh, with, with Tina and, and Jess about why Asian guys, uh, if, if we resent the success of Asian women, and I mean, my point was that uh, we don't. What we do resent, though, is the is having to basically celebrate a, a social arrangement that fundamentally excludes us. And and I think what really gets us is the fact that we're not allowed to question it. Because I think people in general, I think, are much more willing to accept inequality. Uh, much more so than hypocrisy. And there's this article, um, it was in the New York Times, uh, uh, I think uh, several months ago. It was by this guy named Ivan Krastev, I think it was his name. Anyway, he talked about how the, like, the European uh, meritocracy model was falling apart because after uh, you know, like the 2008 financial crisis, people saw what a load of shit, the whole idea of this kind of like uh, liberal meritocracy based on a combination of like glo- uh, global capitalism and just kind of like social liberalism, how full of shit that was for a lot of people. And he said that not only is, not only does it suck to live in an unequal system and kind of be at the bottom, but what makes it so much more worse is for the people on top to tell you, you deserve to be down there because you couldn't be more like us who deserve to be up here. And I, I think, I think there's a, a British guy who came up with the whole idea of meritocracy. I think his name was Michael Young. And he said, like, this is going to be a problem with a system, even when it's running pretty well. Because if you predicate a system on the idea of, like, deserved uh, prosperity and deserved um, poverty, you're going to have a lot of resentment. And that's in, like, a perfect, in a good system. If any, if there's any flaw in that system, just imagine how much more the anger will be. And that's what, that's kind of the economic uh, reality we live in now. And I think when you look at the kind of like the social world, especially with uh, Asian Americans and Asian men and women, what really drives Asian guys crazy is the fact that like there's this inequality, but we're not allowed to call it out or, or talk mm-hmm. about it even. Yeah. And it's that yeah, hypocrisy yeah. that gets us. Cause Hey, yeah. let's say, let's say that people recognize the, the, like, Hey, you know what? It's, it's, it's like, there's a lot of racism you guys put up with, uh, but the inequality, the, the actual numbers and reality remains. The thing though, is if, if that inequality is recognized by a wider society, there is a certain, 
uh, maybe like a nobility in in being the kind of underclass. There, there is a certain kind of like romantic nobility to that, right? And the implication is, if you go against it, you are that you're doing something good. Like there, exactly. you know, we we uh, we celebrate people who go against you know the, the popular like trends or or systems of advantages. Like if, if like a like an extreme example, like like a like a rich handsome man marries like an ugly poor woman, we'll celebrate that, right? And and to have that in your head, I think, is a boon. But imagine imagine the opposite where it's like you're you're celebrated for pretty much going with the flow on everything it's 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 a whacked out world and it will drive you crazy when you're not allowed to speak out about that or being mocked for trying yeah, to fight like against mocked, it yeah um or being told that like, uh, you're not really seeing what's right in front of your eyes right being gaslit all the time yeah oxford i i'm gonna i want to uh chime in and say that you, you said that you know asian guys are not particularly happy about WMAF speaking for us. But I actually, I'm personally okay with that. I think actually what I'm, I'm not, a ha- not happy about, I think a lot of guys online are not happy about is when WMA- WMAF speak about us, right? Like this idea that like, you know, they chose whiteness over Asianness because of the men, the Asian men being the problem in the situation, right? And pulling in ideas of like patriarchy that may have, may make sense you know, across like overseas, but doesn't necessarily make sense here in America. So I think that's, that's a, like a, a trouble, kind of a troubling idea that comes up time and time again. I think that if like those couples were just to shut the fuck up about Asian guys, like we'd have a lot less issues with them overall. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's why I'm stressing the importance of, of Asian guys to assert that we do have a point of view that is basically silenced by WMAF. They have their own experience and it's legit for them to speak out about it, but we have our experience too. And I mean, they've uh, they've kind of like run the show for a long time. So if we assert it, they're going to kind of lose ground. So it's going to look like we're taking stuff away from them. But it's kind of like you should never have monopolized that space in the first place. So I want Asian guys to, I don't want them so obsessed with like destroying their enemies and like silencing her or him or whatever. No, just like make our own space and I guarantee you that will at least drive down like 50% of like the anger and neurosis is, is if you have a space where your, your thoughts and ideas and feelings are validated by other men and women, um, and, and you can at least have your base there. Because uh, I'll tell you, um, this, is what, this is what I hate. I hate this concept that Asian America consists of Asian men, Asian women, and white men. That white men actually have equal standing with us in our own space when we are not given the same standing when we go to their space. Like we know all like 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 men are, are fucking catty as shit. Like <laughs> women, like you think like men are all we're like all you know good bros with each other. No, we're fucking catty as hell. All right, and those like fucking white guys, they will undercut us every single time. Spread the most like snide little you know sly remarks all the time. Pissing on fire hydrants, man. Yeah, because I I will say this. I've been on. I've been around Asian women, like both, you know, like friendly outings and on dates. And they very much care whether I've dated white women in the past. Like there, there was one, I mean, on dates, like it, it, sometimes they'll just ask me directly. And I think I don't begrudge them for asking. I think we do live in a world where, you know, white standards are upheld as the highest. And it, of course, it's going to be natural to kind of, you know, maybe worry a little that, the person uh, my buy, like the person you're interested in is actually going to buy into that um but i've also been around friends um 
it would just be like casually like talking like once it was like with a with a classmate and then she'd be like, oh who do you think is like attractive in our class or whatever and i, and I name a bunch of names and you know there's like i'm very you know i love all women so <laughs> it's like women of all races i name them but this is an asian woman she but then she says something like oh i like i, I didn't think you'd be the type to like white girls or something so and it was like i named like black girls i named like like latino girls but and of course asian girls but she, right she was only she zeroed in on laser the fact focused that I, yeah yeah, and she zeroed in on the fact that I found white girls attractive, and that was the kind of thing that made my was set off whatever in, in her mind. So it's it's like okay, so let's imagine a, a reverse scenario in which you, you go to like so you're an Asian woman and you go to a lot of these spaces, and the men are always Asian, but the women are a lot a lot of times non-Asian, especially white. How would you feel? Okay, so like flipping flipping the script. Yeah, flipping the script. And it would totally be natural for them to feel like, well, what the hell is this? How come, how come I'm having to kind of like, you know, jockey for my spot, uh, whereas the guys seem to just be there and have have their spot spot guaranteed. And I th- and I think that there there's this kind of pressure for a lot of Asian guys to just be totally okay with it. And I, I think it's right. And obviously, you you don't want to just be like, no. Uh, we're going to have like racial quotas or something. I think that's way too extreme. But I think it's <laughs> yeah, right yeah. to be like, hey, you know what? If this just keeps happening again and again, there's something fucked up with society that is leading to these results that I keep seeing again and again. And, we, and it's right for Asian guys to try to change that somehow. Okay, hold on, hold on. So can we can we just, can we go back to that scenario you just brought up Oxford again? Yeah, I sure. just want to ask a question there, right? Because I think it's, per, per, the answer is to your question, like would would they be upset about this? Would the Asian women be upset about like Asian men like allowing all, all sorts of other people, especially white women, into their spaces, right? I think the obvious answer, like from our listeners, is like, no, it just sounds like that's kind of a weird thing, right? But here's here's my question: Do you think that Asian women would be allowed to speak out about it? I hundred percent think so because let's just look at the reaction to something that just happened in the media. This movie comes out to all the boys I've loved before, in which the story is about this one Asian girl who likes like four white dudes and like one black dude turns out he's gay though uh so you know um compare the total non-controversy of that except for like me and this other uh asian female writer for indie wire named han wen han wen you rock <laughs> she was like the only one who wrote about this mm-hmm. compare that to the uh, like mm. complete outrage that faced uh master of none and the big sick and uh, like all these like liberal, uh, you know, like media uh, groups such as like BuzzFeed or Quartz or, um, you know, New York Magazine, all these places were like, you know what, that, that, that's a problem. Like when, when a, like a man of color is like pedestalizing white women, like, you know, that just reinforces white supremacy. And there were like so many articles that came up about that. And it's perfectly legit. I totally agree. Um, I thought uh, it was a problem when I saw it. Yet when the genders are reversed, it's suddenly okay because... I guess it helps like the self-esteem of like assimilationist Asian women or something. That's total bullshit. And I think that they seem to have more leeway to talk about that. And uh, and then if we flip, when we flip that situation, let's let's um let's pretend we live in a society where like for whatever reason Asian men are fetishized and Asian women are considered like un- undesirable. I think in that case they would have just so many avenues to to complain about that. Yeah, I think the bottom line. Yeah, it's different, right? It's interesting. It's different once you. Flip yeah, it I think the bottom line, and I think like this isn't even exclusive to the Asian American community. This is something that I've heard, like even talked about on Champagne Sharks, um, is that 
If you align yourself with whiteness, personally or politically, but especially if you're attempting to speak for the community, I think it's perfectly fair for you to be held to a higher standard if you're engaged in that kind of relationship and trying to be like a leader in Asian America. Like that's perfectly reasonable, I think. Uh, Philip and Q, that means you have have higher standards to meet then. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. I'll work harder too. (laughs) Yeah, and, um, and it's just like, I think in, in most communities, that's kind of a, an acknowledged standard. But with Asian Americans, we still like we still can't like wrap our heads around that. Seems like a perfectly logical and fair thing to consider. But we, we live in this dual world where, oh, we're going to fight against white power. But we're also going to, on a very personal level, at the deepest, most personal level, we're going to join it uh, or ally with it. I, I feel like we have this white guilt by proxy. Like we're not really exactly, white. Exactly, we do, yeah. And that that leads us to sort of perform that, you know, out in the world when we don't, we're not white. So it just sort of, it's like, and we perform it more fervently and with more like vigor than any actual white liberal does it. Yeah, that's right. So it just, it's, it, it's just pathetic. It just ends up looking pathetic and everyone can look past, sees past it. And they're like, what the fuck are we doing? And, you know, and that's what really, that's, uh, you know, that's what upsets me. Is that like we sort of let ourselves be used in that way and see that way and seen in that way. And like just to tie it back to a lot of stuff we've been talking about, like it, it prevents Asian men from like bonding and talking real with one another and then like building each other up so that we can sort of, you know, create things and, and or, or just really have happier lives. And, and that just makes me angry. Like it makes me angry and then it makes me sad, too. And, and, and also like with the whole scenario you're talking about Oxford, like, I think the hypocrisy of it is really the, um, is, is what angers people, uh, is not that yeah, exactly. like, they point out and not, it's not that they point out, well, yeah, I mean, it's problematic for men and women, right. To have that sort of white worshiping or, uh, aspirational white partner sort of, uh, out there in, in media. But is that when you point out, like it happens on both sides, people are like, no, like, it's okay for the women to do it, not the men. You know, and, and you mentioned, uh, you mentioned, um, uh, you know, the big sick and everything. But like, it, it, and it, the, the other, what was the more recent women's, uh, oh, oh, yeah, uh, to all the boys I loved before. But, but even earlier, like Mindy Kaling with the Kaling Project, people, men were writing about that. Men were talking about that. And people, and, and other people are like, what are you talking about? She has total autonomy to do that. And you, how dare you criticize her? But then, you know, big sick and other the men start doing it and everyone can't stop but yell about it. So it's just it's hypocrisy. It's not that it's wrong. It's that only one side can be wrong and the other side is is right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we uh, so. we see it on the guy side, too. Like It's, it's the the ones who like worship, you know, AMWF. They're like, yeah, like every, every Asian guy should, should go out there and try to bang as many like blondes as possible. And that's, oh, that's wrong, just too. I, I hate that mindset. It's totally wrong. But you know what the difference is? Those guys get relegated to like the depths of Reddit and just laughed at. While basically yeah. their female equivalents, they get book deals and, and movies. So that's that's the right. bullshit. Yeah, this is not productive. Yeah. Like the first kind of minor indication that we actually have a space of our own or that we actually participate in this space that we call Asian America uh, is that our politics don't collapse into these like superficial identity politics where we're just celebrating something because it has a yellow face. Right. So we all talked a little bit about in the uh, mm-hmm. the pod uh 
previously about like Elaine Chow and how we're supposed to celebrate her because she's like an Asian American woman who like has risen to the ranks and is like been rewarded by this like neoliberal meritocracy. And, like, no, that's bullshit. Like she's a terrible person and there's no reason why we should inherently <laughs> celebrate someone just because they look like us, right? Like the there's that that tweet that's going around um, with like a bunch of clap emojis that's like uh, we want more women female prison guards. It's like no, this is bullshit. They're like big picture ideas that we should try to be rallying wait, wait, around. Wait, wait, that, there's just, a tweet like that going wait, around. Wait, and wait that's a minute. Serious? Right. Yeah, it, it it's right like a it. it's like a parody tweet with like a bunch of clap emojis. Oh, it's like we yeah. want more oh, female oh. prison guards. Yeah, it's like the the <sighs> like the most brainless uh, form of representational politics, like taken to the extreme. <laughs> We want more like female uh, genociders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like using using pure oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. identitarian like visibility is not a guiding principle for any political organization. Like I just don't think that's uh, a feasible or b you know helpful for anyone Desirable. who actually exists in this community. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'd say that's a pretty good litmus test uh, if things are going in the right direction. If we're starting to think about things besides you know just media rep or uh just you know i don't know like movement into the fortune 500 or something like that like i think there are larger systems of oppression that need to be addressed um that i think asian men specifically have a very unique and uh, important role to play in yeah well said um so a- anyway uh, i think uh we should as as we uh, end near the mark we're we're trying to like find ways to, to you know get asian guys like past only anger so i think the steps we laid out is first um just like value your own perspective uh what your life experience matters you're you're not just like like a deformed white person which is i think uh, a lot of asians kind of secretly feel like they are like i in, inside i'm white but i look asian I, I gotta somehow like reconcile that no it's like you are asian you live a life that is unique to you don't be afraid to express it uh, especially if you're male because on, I, I'm looking around. I don't see a lot of expressions of that. And, you know, I mean, I like to write. So that that's I, I express it through writing. There's a lot of other ways to express it. It doesn't have to only be through entertainment. Just like find your way to get that point of view out there. And it could just be as simple as like meeting up with people in real life and talking about it. That is still doing something. Uh, you got to cut out the, the like online harassment shit. It's like immorally wrong. Uh, that's like, duh, that's like the baseline. But it's also so counterproductive. You're just hurting like your own group by doing it because it's easily going to get used against you and it's just it's you know it's just a despicable thing to do um and it, it's it's like the the last refuge of, of like the scoundrel right you, like somebody who, who like uh, like has no real reason to have any prospects to improve so they're like oh at least I'll, I'll i'll get off one of my my rocks by by sending this person a, a disgusting message or whatever it's, it's horrible when we should call it out as as much as possible and um and just like meeting up with people in real life uh well uh, you guys have anything to add to that yeah i'm, I'm gonna add and say like a hundred percent like back all that i'm gonna say like asian guys getting over this kind of self-disgust and self-embarrassment and embarrassment around other asian guys is a really key kind of first step because that's the thing that really prevents you from from like you know build, building community to begin with right and even if you yourself are not a creator you're not a writer you're not an artist or whatever you're gonna know someone else who is an asian guy who is a creator right like for me in my space it's like entrepreneurs right knowing other asian entrepreneurs and you know spending time with them building the network helping them out when you can that that alone is contribution and we gotta do more of that i think right it's your energy is better spent there than online you know 
yelling or not yelling, right? Just doing things in, in, in meat space and in, in real life is super important. For sure, absolutely. Basically, just to conclude that any shift in a landscape in the way that we see our lives day to day means that we as Asian men kind of need to know when to speak and then when not to speak um, and to speak from a position of empathy and rather not project our baggage or our insecurity onto other people. And I think that's just good advice in general. Um, but I think especially yeah, for kind of the communities that we've been seeing, it's really important that we talk to each other and then we engage with each other in a way that isn't pitying isn't uh, hysterical, but is honest, right? And that's the only way that change happens. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that political organization happens. That's the only way that uh, advancement occurs. I don't think I really have uh, much to add other than uh, to, to co-sign what, what you all have said. But rather, you know, just I guess to say that if you're finding it tough out there, there, there are people um, either just listening to this podcast, um, you know, you never know who's out there that might, uh, be able to support you. Uh, and, um, it can seem like you're alone, but you're not. And uh, I think that's just important for, for people. If they listen to realize that. Yeah. And, and not, not to like, I guess, like shine myself up too much, but that point about <laughs> not being alone. Um, I think I, I my latest article is called uh, to all the boys I've loved before has creepy racial things going on. God, I, like, I can't believe I'm talking about this book and movie so much. <laughs> Self-plug, yeah. Towards, like, no, it's, re- it's, it's really for like like 11-year-old white girls. That, that That's target audience. But I've had to like, I've read the book, I've watched the movie, I've talked about it so much. But I think there's a particular reason. And and I, I brought yeah. that up because... You are Jesus. You are Jesus. <laughs> um, but I bring it up because this article has taken off unlike any other that I've written. I've had other articles that have done well, but like some of them have been like promoted by others who have bigger platforms than we do. Um, others mm. had to do with issues of other racial groups. So there was like, it went kind of, obviously went beyond just Asians. But this one, it was just like what we usually do. You know, we, uh, we put it up, we'll like put it up on our, you know, our usual social media stuff. But it just, it just exploded. And I think it's because everyone who like watched that and said, you know what? especially like Asian guys, like uh, there's something off about that. A lot of other yeah, people absolutely. felt that. Even if none of like the usual, like, you know, BuzzFeed or, or you know, um, Refinery29 or any of these like bullshit uh, publications, If even if none of them uh, acknowledge it, doesn't mean your feelings aren't valid. And absolutely. I think like, we're there to try to, um, you know, express and articulate those feelings. Uh, but, you know, we can't be the only one, right? And others have to step up as well. Like, put in the work, you know, like, read books, practice writing, um, you know, go outside your comfort zone in terms of, like, social groups. Because you can't just be, you know, in, in just, you, you have to, like, build yourself up to be able to express yourself. It, nobody's born with it. We all work hard for it. And if you have thoughts that you want to share, you do have to put in some work. You know, you can't just be, like, you're, you're tweeting all the time. I mean, tweeting, you know, it has its purpose. I mean, I found it useful as well. But you know, it, it takes work. So, you know, put, put in the work, guys. Don't get turned into a SoundCloud rap intro. You got to hone your voice. You got to practice. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, you, got, you guys got weekend plans? Seeing you suckers on Sunday. I'm driving to New York on Sunday. Yeah, I'll see oh, you Oh, yeah, Philip. You're, you're uh, Philip. We're going to see you and Christina. I'm going to, uh, going to K-Town. I'm right. so jealous. Should be a good time. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to see Searching on, on Saturday. Like so many movies that I, I like, I still haven't. Uh, my friend wants to see Black Klansman. Still haven't seen. Uh, Sorry to bother you, um, dude. You my, need to my see Sorry to Bother You. Crazy... 
Yeah, my brother hasn't seen Crazy Rich yeah, Asians. I'm gonna try too, to find other people who haven't seen it. And oh. since I didn't use Movie Pass the first time to yeah. see it, I can see it for you know free this time. So why not? Why not? Right? Go go see it again. Um, Do it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's my weekend. Sweet. Okay, I gotta run to this uh, thing with teen. All right. So. Okay. Yeah. Ha- have a good time. Yeah. Hi, thanks for listening to Escape from Plan A, Plan A Magazine's podcast. Um, this was our episode on how guys, Asian guys, can, uh, you know, not just be stuck on, on angry mode online all the time. And we were joined by me, Oxford, with Mark, Philip, and Q. If you want to listen to more of our podcasts, uh, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Uh, if you really like us, please leave a review or, you know, give, give us five stars. That, that really helps. And, you know, we love doing this, so... Um, that's all we ask in return. And if you want to read our articles, please go to planamag.com. All right, we'll see you guys next time. All right, bye all.